The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Four, Allen stepping up and now floating it downfield and Diggs is behind the secondary, stumbles, but brings it in. Buffalo touchdown. I know it's only one game. I know it's week one, but my God, how impressive was Buffalo last night? The preseason betting favorite to win the Super Bowl destroyed the defending champions last night, 31-10. to And really, the score was not indicative of what a beatdown it was. I mean, how many times do you turn the ball over four times and still win by 21? I thought as impressive as Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and company were on offense, I thought the Bills were equally impressive on defense. And Von Miller, after winning the Super Bowl eight months ago with the Rams in his first game in Buffalo, he looked like vintage Von Miller, looked like a defensive MVP Von Miller. Two sacks as part of a seven-sack night for the Bills. They hit Matt Stafford 15 times last night. Wow, Buffalo uh, really kicked off the season last night with a message uh, to the rest of the league. Uh, And again, I'm very much a believer in it takes time to figure out who's really good and who isn't. But if you think about the Bills and the last few times we've seen them in real games, the epic in Arrowhead last year, the final drive before overtime that Josh Allen put together, the playoff uh, win over New England where they had the ball seven times and scored seven touchdowns, uh, Buffalo is my AFC championship pick. They're in the Super Bowl in my picks from yesterday against the Saints. I'll tell you who I like winning the Super Bowl here in this opening segment. Uh, we are here, finally. The NFL season uh, is uh, underway, and the fu- first full slate of NFL games comes uh, on Sunday. We get 14 games Sunday, one on Monday night. Uh, two guests on the show today. Jay Gruden's going to be with us. Don't forget that Jay was in Jacksonville two years ago as the offensive coordinator. Uh, he'll talk about the season. He'll talk about the commanders. He'll talk about the matchup Sunday with Jacksonville. And following Jay, Bram Weinstein will jump on with us. Bram's in his third year now, if you can believe that, uh, as the voice of the uh, Washington team 
on its radio network with Julie Donaldson and London Fletcher. Bram's been spending a lot of time with the team this summer. We'll get his thoughts on the upcoming season as well. In this opening segment, plenty of football. Uh, and I will have my uh, Washington-Jacksonville pick, a couple of keys to a win over the Jags, and the smell test uh, in this opening segment as well. The show today is presented by MyBookie. Uh, MyBookie right now is offering a double deposit bonus to my listeners. It's quick, it's easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 into your account. They'll double it for you if you use my promo code, Kevin DC. You can bet on anything, uh, but really, right now, it's all about football season. They've got plenty of prop bets. They've got all of the week one lines up. Uh, my bookie is fair. The pricing's fair. The lines are fair. You get paid if you win. Use my promo code, Kevin DC. If there's something written in the promo code already, erase it, write Kevin DC, and they'll double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today exclusively at my bookie. Uh, you can find my bookie at mybookie.com and mybookie.ag. Uh, we are here. I love this time of year. It's my favorite time of year. The rhythm of football season is like nothing else uh, in sports in this country anyway. Really, it's a sprint, too, compared to the other sports. You know, it takes us through summer, fall, and winter. You know, it's hot when it starts, although it's supposed to rain Sunday. Keep an eye on that forecast uh, for the game against Jacksonville and Landover. It could be a, a very rainy day Sunday and a cool day, unusual for the opener. But, you know, you get this season that starts in the summer. It takes us through the fall as the leaves change and pumpkins decorate front doors. And then all of a sudden we're at Thanksgiving and we're sitting down with turkey and stuffing and pumpkin pie and a triple header of football. And then you get into the holiday season, it's cold, and you got the fire going, and there's big time NFL games with high stakes down the home stretch. I love it. It is a sprint for sure. It lasts all of four months. That's it for most teams. You know, if you're a playoff team, it lasts a little bit longer. And if you're a, a really good team that's got a chance to win it all, it's closer to five months before it's all over. Been a long time for us since the season went five months, 30-plus years to be exact. Uh, 31 years would be to be exact exact. Uh, the 1991 season, the last time this team was truly great. 30 years ago as the defending champions in 1992, you know, they came into that season 30 years ago uh, and there were high expectations as a potential repeat champion. The 91 Skins are one of the greatest teams of all time. And even back then, it's easy to see kind of in, in hindsight, uh, but even back then, people thought going into that 92 season 30 years ago that Washington would have a chance to defend its title. They opened up on a Monday night in Dallas. Mark Rippon had been a, uh, been a holdout during camp, and they weren't ready for that opener. And they got ab absolutely bum-rushed uh, by Jimmy's team. Uh, Team, which was coming off a playoff uh, season, his first. Uh, eventually that year, Dallas would win it all in 92. Washington struggled that year, but made the playoffs kind of backdoor style, final weekend of the season. They lost to the Raiders, uh, but Brett Favre and the Packers needed to beat the Vikings to get in to eliminate Washington, and the Vikings won a game. They were playing for nothing, too, in that final Sunday of the year. 
Uh, and then by beating the Packers and allowing the Skins in through the back door, they faced the Skins in the postseason and lost. And then Washington went on to lose to the 49ers at Candlestick. And really, that's the last time, you know, that's the last time that you had legitimate, legitimate Super Bowl hopes. Certainly 2000 was uh, a year in which there was a ton of excitement. Uh, but um, look, uh, as Andy, Andy Dufresne once said to Red uh, in the movie Shawshank Redemption, hope's a good thing, and hope doesn't cost you much. We can all hope this time of year. They're 0-0. Uh, there's no reason not to hope right now. I- I've said before, hope's only problematic when you attach it to expectations um, because when you expect – Um, and it doesn't happen, you're more disappointed. And I think with this team, it's hard to expect much. Uh, They haven't delivered for decades now. Uh, But this is the day, tomorrow as well, where dreamers can dream. And those of you who are skeptics, you're not wrong at this point yet either. Um, I think I said this earlier in the week, this team is a bit of a mystery. Uh, I think they're very much like a lot of NFL teams this time of year because they don't have the elite quarterback. They're not, you know, considered to be a really good team or a great team or a serious Super Bowl contender. I don't think this team's a bad team at all. I think they're somewhere in that mix of 20 to 25 teams where if everything goes well, uh, they stay healthy. They win a couple of those close games. Their quarterback plays well. They can win nine, 10 games. Uh, And if it doesn't go well, they can win more like six or seven. Uh, I've said uh, this week that I think the floor is seven wins. I just don't think this is a bad team. Uh, I think this is a team that, you know, won't quit under Ron Rivera, never does. Um, And uh, I think seven is kind of a worst case. I'm not a big believer in saying, well, they won seven last year with Taylor Heineke uh, against a much tougher schedule. Um, and they don't even have as many weapons. Uh, uh, they didn't have as as many weapons last year as they have right now. I think every year is a new year, and you're not sure who you're playing and what the condition of the team you'll be playing and what the condition of your team will be. Um, but I do feel like this season comes down to Carson Wentz more than anything else. For the first time since 2017, they have a quarterback with a ceiling that is top half of the league or better. They haven't had that in the last few years. You know, even in Alex Smith's first year in 2018, and they started off really well, Alex Smith was barely, barely a top half of the league quarterback at his best with really a limited ceiling. In Carson Wentz, they've got a guy that, you know, we've seen play at a very high level. Uh, We've seen play at kind of that top half of the league level as well, even when he wasn't, you know, great last year. Uh, You know, I think he's somewhere between 17 and 22. I'm skeptical. I'm in wait-and-see mode. But I think they've got a guy that we can look at and say they've got a chance with him. They've got a chance that they haven't had. And while this team is a mystery in many ways – I think offensively, they've got a chance to be very dynamic. And a lot of that is contingent on Wentz delivering. But they've put enough around him, and they've made it easy for him. And if he can't do it with this group this year, then it's probably not going to ever happen for him. 
Uh, and if this coaching staff is wrong about him with the supporting group that they've put around him, we're going to have some serious conversations four months from now. But as of now, I'm expecting an improved offense, a potentially dynamic offense, and that'll give this team a chance to compete week in and week out uh, against their schedule. Defensively, I'm hopeful uh, that the players that I believe are really good players like Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and eventually when Chase Young gets back that they can bounce back off of very mediocre to disappointing seasons. I know what I'm getting with John Allen. I'm getting a pro bowler. I'm getting a potential all-pro player. I think I know what I'm getting in a guy like Kendall Fuller. Um, but, you know, those guys that were disappointing last year have to bounce back. I'm going to be looking at Montez Sweat early in this season. I think he's got incredible high upside. If they never drafted Chase Young, Montez Sweat's selection the year before was one I was super excited about, and I expected this guy to be a star in this league. We have seen flashes of brilliance, and certainly at the end of 2020, with Chase Young having a defensive rookie of the the year season, Sweat really thrived off of that. He won't have Chase Young to start this year, but still Sweat by himself, even without help, should be a lot better than he was last year. And there were reasons last year. He was banged up. He had personal tragedy to to, to, uh, deal with last year. But this defense, there's a a big, big uh, question for them to answer. You know, they were the disappointment of the team last year, and they shouldn't be as disappointing as they were last year. They should have been better, and they should be better. We'll see. Uh, Jack Del Rio's on, uh, you know, he's on the block for this one as well. He claimed last year was about lack of communication, especially in the secondary. Ron Rivera complained about the front four not adhering to the scheme, not being mature. Well, they had everybody around this year. They didn't have Chase Young around, and that is a legitimate reason uh, for him when he comes back if he doesn't perform at a high level right away. Uh, And certainly this defense with a highly functioning Chase Young would have a much better chance of a a massively successful turnaround. Um, But the defense, to me, more of a mystery than the offense. Uh, But we'll see uh, starting on Sunday against a Jacksonville team that's also a complete uh, mystery. All right, a couple of loose ends just to tie up real quickly from yesterday's show. I did not make a Super Bowl pick I gave you my Super Bowl matchup of Buffalo and the Saints. I enjoyed some of uh, the Twitter feedback on my Saints selection out of the NFC. But I've got Buffalo winning the Super Bowl. Tommy had an all-L.A. Super Bowl with the Chargers beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. I've got Buffalo beating the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl. So that ties up that. So we've now got all of our picks in uh, for the upcoming 2022 season. Yes, I had Buffalo yesterday too. I didn't need to see last night's game. Uh, I liked Buffalo uh, from the jump. I really do like that football team. And think about this too. If they're able to have an excellent regular season and let's just say snag the number one seed, considering that you know the Chiefs are in this brutal division in the AFC West, uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati are in a tough division, I don't think Tennessee or Indy 
are going to end up with the same record as Buffalo, although I really do like Indy's chances to have a great regular season. But if Buffalo wraps up that number one seed and they're playing at home in January, uh, yeah, I don't see Buffalo um, losing uh, when we get to that point. But, you know, they're going to play the season anyway. Um, And injuries always play such a huge, huge role in how these seasons uh, play out. But Buffalo over the Saints um, is my Super Bowl pick. If you want to hear all of the other picks, the division winners, the wild card winners, our MVP picks, um, you know, some of the teams we're expecting to overperform, some of those teams we're expecting to underperform. And then, by the way, all of the commanders' season picks, just listen to yesterday's show. Although I will say, that my commander's pick was 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. And somebody on Twitter pointed out to me that I picked 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one last year. I'm embarrassed about that. I really am. I totally forgot that I did that too. At least yesterday I gave you the game that I thought they would tie. Chicago on the Thursday night in October. 13-13. I gave you the score as well. All right, uh, Washington and Jacksonville. Washington beats Jacksonville if they stop the run. I think that Jacksonville is going to try to feature Travis Etienne. The weather could be an issue on Sunday. They've got uh, James Robinson back. They've added Brandon Sheriff to their offensive line. Uh, I think that Doug Peterson is going to try to give Trevor Lawrence as much help as possible. I think he believes in Trevor Lawrence, but he talked about something during the preseason. He talked about how Trevor gets a little bit overexcited to begin with uh, and that he just needs to settle down. I think Jacksonville is going to try to run the football. I think that Washington's front four or front five, and I think we will see them play a lot of five-man front. And I don't know who that fifth defender will be, but with their lack of linebackers, we'll see some five-man defensive front, and we'll see a lot of nickel. We'll see a lot of 5-2-4. We'll see a lot of 5-1-5 out of this team. Washington's got to stop the run. I mentioned yesterday it might be a concern that uh, isn't necessarily warranted, but I've just got this hunch that they're playing a lot of teams that are going to try to run the football, and they didn't face those teams last year. And I thought last year, when I watched the games, that they weren't consistent against the run. And part of that is their linebacking core. Stop the run, uh, and, uh, and, and you've got a chance to beat Jacksonville. Number two, Washington beats Jacksonville if... They're aggressive offensively. I know that during that four-game winning streak last year, it was about protecting Heineke, and it was about being balanced and dominating time of possession. That is a nice formula to win games and to be competitive against average teams. If Washington's going to be a dynamic offensive team, let's see it. If you didn't have to play Carson Wentz or any of these starters meaningful minutes in preseason games, including the last one, because you thought they were so ready, let's see how ready they are. There are a lot of toys to play with. McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel. I don't know if Logan Thomas will play, but if he doesn't, Cole Turner, Armani Rogers, Gibson, McKissick. Let's see it. Let's see the ball get out of Wentz's hands, into the hands of playmakers. Let's be aggressive. 
Let's spread it around early. Let's see how good this supporting cast is because I think it is good. I don't want them to play it safe. I don't want to hear that it's still early. If it's still early, then you should have been you should have prepared more during the preseason. You should have had somebody to practice and scrimmage with. I want to see them aggressive on offense. Lastly, you can't help the other team. And this isn't about turnovers because that's always a given in the conversation about winning an NFL game. And that means Gibson can't fumble, obviously. But man, they can't get kicks blocked. They can't miss kicks. They can't turn the ball over on downs at midfield and give Jacksonville opportunities in life. Play a solid, smart game. Don't miss kicks if, you're, if you don't get the ball into the end zone. How many times did we, we hear the thump of a blocked kick last year? And Sly, there's a reason to be a little bit concerned going into this game. I want to see Washington play a clean game uh, on Sunday. You play a clean game, you got a chance to win. You back that up with good run defense, you got a really good chance to win. You spread the ball out to your best players, which are your offensive playmakers, you've got an excellent chance to win the game. I think it's a tough game for Washington on Sunday. I really do. I think it's a losable game for Washington on Sunday. I like Jacksonville, I'll tell you right now, plus uh, buying the half point, plus the three. And you'll hear that in the upcoming smell test. But I'm going to give Washington a week one win, 21-20. to Jacksonville scores a touchdown late in the game, under 30 seconds to go. They go for two and the win, and Washington gets the stop, and they win the game 21-20. to uh, It's... Yeah, you know, it's like uh, a box of chocolates. Who the hell knows what we're going to get on Sunday? But I'm going 21-20 Washington. Uh, Before I get to the smell test, uh, week one has a lot of intriguing games. Early, in addition to Washington-Jacksonville, which, you know, I actually think because of the Carson Wentz versus Jacksonville, uh, you know, where he left off last year with Indy, has some... Uh, of some intrigue to it nationally. Uh, But there are a couple of teams that I'm interested in seeing on Sunday. The Saints, for one, uh, I've picked them to have a great season, an NFC championship season. They play at Atlanta in the opener. I think Steelers-Bengals is interesting. I'm I'm curious to see what Mitch Trubisky looks like uh, in a really well-coached environment. The Steelers' defense should still be good. The Eagles, you know I like them uh, from a talent standpoint. They play at Detroit, and a lot of people like the Lions. Um, this year, uh, but I think the Eagles are really, really good. Um, I'm interested clearly in seeing what Baker Mayfield looks like with a decent team, a decent overall team in Carolina. Uh, the Panthers aren't terrible, and if Baker Mayfield steps up and is consistent, Carolina could be one of those teams potentially that surprises. Uh, I'm interested in, in seeing what the Colts look like with Matt Ryan. I think that could be a very good team. Uh, the late window has four games. It's a doubleheader on Fox, doubleheader on CBS. The Packers and the Vikings will be the most watched game of the four late games. Uh, the Packers are obviously intriguing with no Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers back. 
Aaron Rodgers made the comment yesterday that a lot of people say every year that, you know, such and such is going to have a chance to win the North, but he keeps coming up with the division title. They've won four in a row, um, but a lot of people like the Vikings. I like the Vikings this year. I don't know if it'll start off great for the Vikings with Kevin O'Connell and a new scheme. It might take a, a little bit of time, but I think that team has improved itself personnel-wise on defense. They were awful defensively last year, and I think they've got a chance to be good. Look, you could make the case that there isn't a better supporting cast skill position-wise for a quarterback in the NFL than what Minnesota has. Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith is back, Dalvin Cook. Their offensive line has to be better, um, but Christian Darrisaw, the first-round pick out of Virginia Tech from a a year ago, uh, got better at the end of last year. That's an intriguing late game. Uh, Chiefs at Cardinals, for sure. Um, Seeing Kyler Murray... In his first action since the offseason contract extension and everything about what was in the contract. How about Raiders Chargers? A lot of people love the Chargers. Tommy loves the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers and the Raiders in the first of a head-to-head AFC West matchup. I mean, this is the best top-to-bottom division going into a season we have seen in years. And then Sunday night, we get Brady and the Bucks in Dallas. I mean, that's a hell of a Sunday night game, uh, and we're going to start to learn a little bit about Dallas here. Mike McCarthy's on the spot, no doubt about it. They start committing 12, 13 penalties a game, and they start losing games in which you know they're beating themselves. I mean, he could be. He could be the first to go. Uh, and maybe Sean Payton's the coach before next year. Uh, We'll talk about Monday night when we get to Monday. Uh, But Denver and Seattle, a pretty good one uh, for the Monday night uh, closeout of week one as well. College football this weekend, you get Texas and Bama at noon tomorrow. Uh, Texas is a three-touchdown underdog. I don't think they are in uh, the class of Bama. I don't know that anybody is. By the way, Clinton Portis was on radio with me this morning. You can listen to that at the team980.com. And we talked a lot of college football. He's such a huge college football uh, fan. Um, there's a really good game at 3.30. Tennessee is a six-point favorite. Uh, as the barely-ranked team against the much higher-ranked team, Pittsburgh. Um, And then I I think really the game of the day should be Kentucky at Florida. Florida with Anthony Richardson off that impressive winner uh, win over Utah is laying six, six six-and-a-half now at home in the swamp against Kentucky on Saturday night. USC-Stanford should be interesting. Um, You'll hear more about that in the smell test. And Baylor-BYU late night. How about that one? Um, as a late-night game. Uh, there's another really good late-night game as well. Uh, um, it's um, – hold on. I want to – it's Mississippi State at Arizona, 11 o'clock on FS1, if you're so inclined. Maryland plays Charlotte. They're a 26.5-point favorite. The Terps should roll, and I expect them to get back on track uh, offensively. And then that would set up a pretty big game next week against SMU uh, at home. All right. Uh, Let's finish up uh, this first segment before we get to Jay Gruden and then Bram Weinstein with the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q. Public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. All right, last week, not so good. 3-5-1 to kick off the year. Many of you keep telling me, stop doing the college game, Sheehan. You're so much better on the NFL. 
Uh, I don't know that that's true, um, and it really doesn't matter. Uh, the smell test is the smell test. If a game reeks, if the game looks wrong from a point spread standpoint and everybody's betting it the other way, I'm going with it. Um, last week, got a little unlucky with uh, with Bowling Green at UCLA. First of all, nobody was at that game. I don't know if anybody has seen the shots of the Rose Bowl last week. It was empty for an 11.30 a.m. start in brutal heat. I mean, L.A. and Southern California has been going through an incredible heat wave uh, this week. Um, Bowling Green was down 21, getting 23 and a half. And UCLA with just over two minutes to go at midfield with like a fourth and three or fourth and four, you know, you usually punt it there up 21. They threw a bomb for a touchdown pass on fourth down uh, and ended up winning 45-17. to 17. A little unlucky there. Uh, however, um, we are back and ready to roll uh, here uh, for the first NFL uh, uh, slate. I've got three NFL games. Um, you're not going to like any of them. I promise you that. Uh, but let's start with tonight, uh, where Louisville got crushed by Syracuse last week, 31-7. to 7. Uh, an embarrassing loss. And tonight they're at UCF catching less than a touchdown. It's six and a half by the half point and take Louisville plus the seven. Missouri's playing Kansas State tomorrow. Uh, Kansas State is supposed to be sleepy good and Missouri isn't supposed to be sleepy good. And K-State's laying seven and a half and the public's crushing K-State. I think Missouri is a little bit better than people think, and they can score. Take Missouri plus the seven and a half. Iowa last week, I don't know how many people saw this. Iowa last week scored seven points, four of them via a safety. That's right. They won their opening game, Iowa did, 7-3 to three with two safeties, both of which came in the fourth quarter against South Dakota State. An embarrassing performance offensively. They generated 166 total yards of offense and were 4 for 17 on third down. But they got two safeties. And they won 7-3. to three. And now they're playing Iowa State, who won in week one. And they're laying three and a half. Take the Hawkeyes at home. Laying the three and a half by the half point. We're doing that this year. Remember, we were doing that this year. We started to do that last year. So by the half point and take Iowa minus the three. Stanford's playing USC, who destroyed Rice 66-14. to The line opened at 9. It has been bet down to 7.5. Sharp money all over Stanford. Public money all over USC. Take Stanford plus the 7.5. Uh, I'm going to give you a team that you're going to say, why are you giving me this team to bet on? Um, but they're playing a team that I gave you last week to bet on. One of my winners last week was Central Michigan on Thursday night, catching a bunch uh, in their opener at Oklahoma State. Central Michigan can really score, uh, and they are laying this week against South Alabama just four and a half points. The public loves Central Michigan because they can really score. I was on Central Michigan last week. And what I'm telling you this week is that South Alabama is the right side. So take South Alabama plus uh, the four and a half uh, in that uh, matchup 
against a Central Michigan team that can really score. Uh, There's a lot of sharp money on Central Michigan. So those are the college plays. Let me get to the three NFL plays uh, for the weekend. Uh, I like Jacksonville. Buy the half point, get it to three, and take Jacksonville plus three three against Washington. The public's all over Washington, and the sharp money is all over Jacksonville. And let's face it, these teams are probably dead even. Um, I'll take Jacksonville plus the three, but I predicted Washington to win the game 21-20. Looking for that uh, inside straight, a little happiness hedge. Washington to win, but Jacksonville to cover. Uh, The Jets are going to start Joe Flacco against his former team, Baltimore. The Jets have a pretty good roster. The public's pounding Baltimore. But since the line reset when they found out Flacco would be the starter, it's come down a little bit. There's some sharp money on the Jets. Take the Jets plus the seven Sunday at home against Baltimore. And then the final game of the weekend uh, of the weekend smell test, uh, the Giants catching five and a half at Tennessee. It's probably the biggest NFL uh, one-sided bet game of the weekend. I mean, there are a couple that I passed on uh, because the sharp money is with the public money. But in terms of the one-sided public action, Tennessee is being bet by roughly 70% of the public money and the public bet uh, total. Uh, and the Giants are a sharp play. That line opened at 6.5. It's down to 5.5. Take the Giants plus the five and a half. So the smell test, Louisville tonight plus the seven. And then tomorrow, Missouri plus seven and a half, Iowa minus three, Stanford plus seven and a half, South Alabama plus four and a half. Sunday, Jags, Jets, and Giants. Jacksonville plus three, the Jets plus seven, and the Giants plus five and a half. So what is that? Uh, That is three, five, eight total plays had nine last week. Let's see if we can get it back to 500 or higher uh, this weekend. Uh, as always, for entertainment purposes only. All right, before we get to Jay Gruden and Bram Weinstein, Sunday uh, at FedEx Field, the Washington franchise is going to honor Mike Bass, number 41. They're putting him into the ring of fame. Mike Bass. Uh, A seven-year corner here in Washington, 30 career interceptions, was part of that defense, George Allen's defense, with Pat Fisher on the other side, with Ken Houston and Brig Owens uh, as the safeties. Um, Before uh, Ken Houston got here, guys like Richie Pettibone, uh, Rosie Taylor at safety. Um, But Mike Bass is going into the ring of fame. He will be forever remembered for Super Bowl VII and the pass that Miami's kicker tried to make up 14 to nothing. Garo Yepremian. This is how it sounded with the legendary Kurt Gowdy and Al D. Regattas on the call. All right, here's Yepremian on for a 42-yard field goal attempt. Earl Morrill holding. And this kick is blocked. Yepremian has it. <laughs> Throws a pass up with the ball. It's Mike Bass. He's running away for a touchdown. Mike Bass scores. What a kooky play that was. Gary Yepremian lost his head and tried to throw a pass. It went in the hands of Mike Bass. He scores. If they kick the point now, the Redskins, with 2.07 to go, are behind by seven. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, on the podcast with me right now is the former head coach of the Washington Redskins, um, who are now going to debut Sunday at FedEx Field as the Washington Commanders. Uh, Jay Gruden is with us. Uh, we've already talked about how we both feel about the new name, um, and it's gonna—it's weird already. I think it's really going to be weird now that regular season games have started. And I've said before, Jay, it's like I don't think it's really going to hit home until they're like, there's like a game against the Eagles, Giants, or Cowboys, and you see like on the full screen Chiron, Cowboys versus Commanders. It's just going to seem weird and not like it should be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's nothing uh, uh, really memorable about that, but uh, it is what it is. Winning games will help a lot. I do like the new uniforms are pretty sweet, but the name just doesn't have that same uh, emphasis as it did before. But I'm sure it'll get there if they start winning. All right. Since the last time we talked, um, it was announced that you have been hired as a consultant by Sean McVay out in L.A. So tell us what you're doing with the Rams. Yeah, I'm doing a little bit of everything, just helping out whatever's needed. I might uh, be helping out Raheem Morris a little bit on the defensive side, how uh, I feel like teams will try to attack them. And, uh, and and later on in the season, maybe help out with Sean a little bit in certain situational type things, third down, red zone, things of that nature. Uh, right now it's early, um, not a whole lot of action right now, but once the season gets going, we get a lot of tape on different teams. I'll be more active. Well, I know that there's only so much you can say about the game last night, but you know, Buffalo came into this season, even though they were playing the defending champs uh, in their own uh, stadium last night, Buffalo's really like the overall Super Bowl consensus favorite. They didn't do anything to, to dissuade odds makers last night. How impressed were you with Buffalo overall? Oh, they're outstanding on both sides of the ball. Right. You know, I think a lot of people talk about Josh Allen, and deservedly so. He's an excellent player. Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis shows up again. And, you know, their offensive line provided ample protection, not great protection. The defensive line for the Rams got home a few times, but uh, very solid. But defensively, I was impressed with their front. I think it was Von Miller, the addition of Von Miller, and Ed Oliver is getting better and better. And, uh, and Jordan Phillips showed up in a big way uh, on a defensive line. The rookie corner showed up and played well. Uh, always been impressed with their two safeties, Poyer and Hyde. Um, they're a good football team, both sides of the ball. Good kicker, good kicking game, not a lot of weaknesses. And then the quarterback just makes plays that not many people can make. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's rare when you turn the ball over four times and you win by 21 points. I know the Rams gave it up three times, but um, God, you, that defense. Von Miller last night looked like a young Von Miller. How does he get so low without losing speed off the edge? It's it seems like his bend and it, it, he's like literally almost on the ground as he turns the corner, but never loses any quickness or speed. Yeah, that's something you can't teach. That is athleticism. That's uh, what you look for when you're looking for pass rushers. As you're scouting these college kids, you're looking for guys with that type of bend and burst around the corner, and then. He can feature the bull rush as well. He bull rushed uh, uh, one time, got a big sack. So he's got the whole arsenal of rushes. He's an excellent player. I think uh, teams that see that on tape, they realize he's the same Von Miller. He's always been there. They have to provide help, chipping with tight ends, chipping with backs, try to get uh, you know more help over there, especially in passing situations. Yeah, you mentioned the safeties too. I think Micah Hyde's always been underrated. He's always been an incredible playmaker and had a nose for kind of where the ball is. Uh, yeah, he, he's a great player. Plus, he's so versatile. He can play in the middle of the field. He can play two deep. He can play in the box. He can play nickel. He can. He, he's he's everywhere. Sam Porter, they're very similar type players, uh, and they can do a lot of different things coverage wise with uh, disguising their intent because their ability to play different spots. What do you think about Week One overall? I've always felt like it's a bit of a head fake that you really can't figure out teams really until you're four or five, sometimes six weeks into the season. What do you think about this early portion of the season? Yeah, it's tough. Usually defenses are a little bit ahead of offenses at this time because most offenses are mixing and matching an offensive linemen. They're playing together for the first time. You know, the Rams have a couple of new offensive linemen playing together, some new receivers at the skilled spot. Uh, so once coaches get to know their team and, what their strengths and weaknesses are a little bit more throughout the season. Uh, they'll get better offenses. They'll catch up to the defenses. But right now, uh, I expect a lot of low-scoring type games, you know, a couple exceptions with teams with great quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a struggle early on for offenses. Defense is usually ahead. Do you ever think, because I think about your first few openers, you know, against Houston in 2014, against the Dolphins, um, you know, then the Steelers, do you ever think, and you're not the only team that did this, and, and, the, and the Rivera coach teams have done the same thing. Do you ever look back and say, you know, we should have gotten our offense into rhythm earlier and used the preseason games to do it? Um, no, I think the whole intent of the preseason games, in my opinion, is you're trying to get your team ready, obviously, like you're mentioning, but also to truly try, really try to get a look at the younger guys and see which guys are going to fit on your 53-man roster. It's a great opportunity for backups to get a lot of key work because, you know, once the season starts, they're not going to get any playing time. Unless, and the only time to see them is in preseason games. So it's important to see if any of those guys can eventually become starters, which will have to be because of injury. It's a great time to get them work. Um, I think veteran players in preseason games, I don't think really need it as much because they've been there and done that, and they're not going to be playing these teams they're playing against anyway. These are teams that they're not going to play in a regular season, so there's really no correlation. Uh, but it's a great opportunity to find out your special team players, your four backups, and give them an opportunity to really play meaningful minutes. All right, before we get to Washington in the game on Sunday, 
Um, you follow the league. Uh, obviously, you're not going to talk about the Rams because you're a part of them right now. But the NFC, you know, looks kind of more wide open, uh, maybe not as deep as the AFC this year. Give me a couple of teams in the NFC that you're really intrigued with. You think that if, you know, everything comes together, they stay healthy, they can have really big years. Well, I think in the NFC, if you just start with the North, I think uh, obviously the Packers are going to be the team. They have a good defense in Aaron Rodgers, but I think Minnesota has a chance. You know, a great receiving core. Uh, Kirk's going to distribute the ball like he always does. If their defense can step up, they're going to be a tough a tough out. Um, and then you go to the NFC South, Carolina's got a good defense. The addition of Baker Mayfield will probably help them if Christian McCaffrey can play uh, the whole season. They'll be a dangerous team. The Saints have a great defense, uh, obviously. Uh, they'll be a tough out. Tampa Bay can never discount them with Tom Brady. Uh, the NFC West is loaded. Arizona's going to be much better this year. Um, you know, the Rams are going to be just fine. Don't you worry about the Rams. 49ers, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be a tough uh, – there's a lot of very solid teams. Somebody's going to have to take that big step uh, and pull away from the pack. I think you got to give the edge to probably Tampa Bay um, in that regard just because of the veteran leadership they have on offense and defensively they're pretty good. You didn't mention anybody out of the East. Uh, East is wide open. I think the Cowboys will be the best team in the East. I think their defense is going to be solid. Um, and then offensively, Dak will do enough. Um, I'm a little worried about the receiving core. Those young guys got to step up. C.D. Lamb's going to have to play a lot better. Uh, they do have a good tight end in Dalton Schultz. Um, I think the Eagles, a lot of people are talking about the Eagles. Jalen Hurts has got to play a little bit better on those third-down situations. But if they can stay close in games, they're going to be a dangerous team because they have an excellent defense. And obviously it's time for the commanders to step up. It really is Carson Wentz. It's an opportunity for him to solidify himself as a starting quarterback in the National Football League with a very good skill uh, around him with the receiving core and the backs that they have. Um, so they should be good as well. Well, like you told me the last time, and it just you just reminded me, it is the third year. It's time for them to step up and, and do something. We'll get to them in a moment. I wanted to ask you, I actually have this hunch about New Orleans this year in Jameis Winston kind of resuscitating his career with Michael Thomas back, with Jarvis Landry, with Chris Olave, still with you know Alvin Kamara and, and Ingram and a really good defense. Um, I just – I'm curious as to what you've thought about Jameis Winston and, and whether or not you think he has, you know, the potential to end up having a, a much better season and consistent season than he's had at any point during his career yet. Yeah, I think he was off to a great start before he got injured um, last year. So he's got the skill set we've talked about. He does have the issue. Sometimes he tries to make every play a great play. Sometimes he's got to just eat the ball or throw it away. He can't make a touchdown on every play that's called. But I think the way New Orleans runs their offense, uh, Sean Payton's offense, obviously he's gone, but it'll be a very similar, almost identical to what they've been running. It's a very uh, quick getting the ball out of your hand offense. Michael Thomas provide great uh, quarterback-friendly option routes on the inside, outside, very quarterback-friendly. So it'll be easy for them. They have some speed. The rookie will get down the field uh, for some big shots. And obviously, Alvin Kamara is always a threat out of the backfield, putting a lot of pressure on the defense with his matchups, and those are easy throws for the quarterback. So they'll provide us some easy throws and then take some shots down the field. I think Jameis Winston can really, really do a great job with that offense. How much will they miss Sean Payton? Well, I mean, he's a great coach, Hall of Fame type coach, so they'll miss him uh, a little bit. But I think uh, with the ability that they have, keeping everything the same, terminology the same, they haven't made any changes offensively from the staff standpoint. 
other than Sean Payton. So it'll be a very similar uh, type deal offensively. They'll, they'll feature Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara a lot, and uh, I think they'll be just fine. Why did you say you think Arizona's gotten better? I just think that uh, another year for um, Kyler Murray to really uh, step up. I mean, he's a young quarterback still. I think he's going to get better and better. I think they have upgraded their offensive line, and I think uh, obviously receiver, they're going to be fine. They have some skill out there. Um, Rondell Moore, I think, is going to have a big year in the slot. I think, uh, and defensively, I think they're pretty darn good as well. You mentioned Minnesota. Obviously, Kevin O'Connell's there. You're very familiar with Kevin O'Connell. What kind of head coach do you think Kevin O'Connell's going to be? Uh, you know, I think he'll be a good head coach because they got a good team. You know, that helps. And they have a good quarterback. They have a great receiving core, obviously, with Osborne and Jefferson and Thielen. And, uh, you know, the running game will be just fine with Dalvin Cook. They have excellent skill on offense. It makes your head coach a lot better. He's an offensive-minded guy. I think he'll put Kirk in great situations to succeed, and they'll protect him uh, with the quick passing game, uh, the bootlegs, the play passes uh, with good protection. Uh, but it's all about the defense over there. They got to make sure they step up on defense. But Kevin's a great players coach. He's a great communicator and uh, understands uh, what's necessary to win games. All right. In the AFC, other than the team that your current uh, employer saw last night, which you've already said, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I defensively they were so impressive. And then it's Allen and and and, and the weapons they have on offense, but. Who else intrigues you um, in terms of a team that can make a big run? I mean, other than the obvious, the Chiefs, um, give me the team that you really like in the AFC. Well, you just mentioned the top two. I mean, those those two teams are going to be tough to to beat. You know, I think um, a lot of people are liking the Chargers. Obviously, they have a good, young, big quarterback and good, skilled receiving core. Um, They're going to be fine. A lot of people are pointing to the Broncos. I'm not sold on them yet. I think the uh, Indianapolis Colts, I think the addition of Matt Ryan is going to help out a lot, really. The veteran leadership that he has, uh, Pittman, a big receiver that they have, I think defensively he'll keep them in games, and Matt will do enough uh, to put them in position to win a lot of games this year. I think they're going to be a dangerous team uh, out of the south. Uh, and then the north, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if Baltimore just pounds people into submission. They're going to have a big <laughs> offensive line. They have a lot of tight ends they're going to use, and obviously Lamar running the ball. Uh, they're always going to be tough on defense. They're always uh, going to be up there. So I think Baltimore's got a great opportunity to have a great year if Lamar stays healthy. Is Miami uh, what some people think, uh, a, a kind of a chic um, surprise AFC wild card pick? Do you think that they have that kind of potential? Do you like to or not? I think you have to add them in the talks because of the speed at wideout. I mean, that is, uh, you know, Waddle and Tyree Kill. I mean, those guys can fly. I got the uh, Chase Edmonds can run. So that, that offense yeah. is going to be dangerous and tough to deal with. You know, Tua can play well, uh, take some shots, and, and be efficient with the football. We always know that their defenses have been very good the right. last few years. True. Uh, and they have excellent defense. But, so, yeah, there's, there's absolutely no excuses for Miami not to make that next step into a playoff caliber team. Uh, not that you did it uh, I- intentionally, but you didn't mention the defending AFC champions, the Bengals. Uh, you think Baltimore is going to win that division? What kind of, what kind of, you know, uh, off their AFC championship and near Super Bowl win kind of a season? You th- do you think Cincinnati will have? Well, I think again, I, you know, you said the obvious, so I'm trying to get somebody who wasn't obvious. I know. They are the defending champs of the AFC, and and Joe Burrow is just, you know, he. he, he Anytime you have a guy like that on your team, you're going to be in the talks for winning the AFC again. 
and they've done nothing but improve their offensive line. Uh, they have the same receiving four backs, so they're going to be very comfortable with those guys. And defensively, the two defensive ends that they have are going to be uh, able to provide a lot of pass rush with Hubbard and Hendrickson. Um, and defensively on the backside, back end, they're pretty good. Jesse Bates, all pro safety. So, yeah, they're definitely in the talks. Anytime you have Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, you're going to be in the talks for winning the AFC. Is there a perceived bad team going into the season that you have a gut feel is going to be much better than people think? Ooh, man, usually if you're a perceived bad team, it means you're having issues at quarterback. So, no. Um, you know, the teams that have the bottom-tier type quarterbacks are going to struggle. Uh, because these teams with great quarterbacks are just going to make a move. Uh, I think the only one that kind of interests me a little bit because they play great defense is Carolina. Um, I think how Baker Mayfield might do um, with with McCaffrey coming back, and their defense played extremely well last year. I'd give them a little bit of an opportunity. Um, other than that, I don't see a whole lot. Maybe the Raiders, because of the skill that they have on offense with Renfro and Waller and, and Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, they're going to be able to put up a lot of points. It depends on how they do defensively, and that's a very, very tough division. But I'd, I'd say the Raiders and Carolina. Do you like the Jets roster? I'm just curious. Other than the quarterback question, obviously, do you like their roster? Uh, yeah, they're doing some good things. Um, you know, I think the addition of the corner, uh, Sauce Gardner, is going to yeah. help them on defense. Obviously, C.J. Mosley's there. Defensively, I think they're going to be fine. they got a great uh, a defensive-minded head coach with a good system in place. There, they're going to they're going to keep their team in games. It's just a matter of the offense can get the running game going, uh, keep that defense fresh. Uh, you know, Elijah Moore. They're going to have to step up. Corey Davis is going to have to step up. Um, you know, and then obviously the quarterback. You know, is, is, is Flacco. When's that coming back? How's Flacco going to do? He doesn't. He's not able to move very well, so he's going to have to be able to run and do some play passes, but. Uh, it's going to be a long shot for them, but they definitely are moving in the right direction. I don't know if I've ever asked you this or if we've ever talked about it, but my, my listeners make fun of me because I've always been a Joe Flacco fan. I'm not suggesting that at whatever the age is he is now that he's going to get it done, but I just always thought he played his best football in the biggest games that the Ravens had, um, you know, playoff games. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the Super Bowl year. He had great games in other playoff games on the road typically as well. What did you think of Flacco back in the day in, in Baltimore? Yeah, I agree with you exactly. I mean, he's a big-time player and in big situations. He's got a big arm, um, so that's not an issue there. He's going to be able to get the ball down the field no matter what the weather conditions are up there in New York. It'll be fine early on, but uh, he's always had a big arm. The only issue with Joe is his inability to move and make things happen when under duress, uh, like some of these younger, more athletic quarterbacks do. You know, it's a great luxury for a play caller when you call a play that is covered like a glove by the defense, but your quarterback escapes and makes another play because of his legs and be able to buy time, uh, either scrambling for the first down or scrambling and finding an open receiver later on. That's the only negative on Joe. He does, doesn't do that very often, if ever. You get asked this, I'm sure, a lot because you're the former coach here. Um, we've talked about it previously, but now that we're on the eve of the season, what kind of season do you think Washington's going to have? Well, you know, I, I – think they should be good you know defensively they got you know all their guns back you know you get a good pass rush with sweat and pain and allen i mean they'll be fine um you know moving cole holcomb in the middle linebacker i think defensively they should be uh where they want to be you know i think they might have to be a little bit more aggressive with uh, some blitzes uh to try to get home but 
you know, it's all up to Carson Wentz. You know, really, I think it's how he does and, and making sure getting Antonio Gibson and, and McKissick the ball uh, in the running game, you know, power some people. Had Norwell at left guard is going to help because he's a big physical guy. Uh, but, you know, all signs should point to being successful. I don't think they have any excuses like I mentioned before. They've had three years now. Uh, they got their quarterback that they want. They got the skill that they want. They got the defensive coordinator and the defensive personnel that they want. So uh, let's see how they do. Their first game Sunday is against a team you're very familiar with, uh, the Jags, who you were the offensive coordinator of two years ago. Um, what kind of matchup do you think uh, Washington has Sunday? Well, it should be favorable, but I think Jacksonville's on the up and up as well. I think uh, uh, you know, I think the young quarterback Lawrence is going to have a much better year. He's got a better skill set around him. Uh, defensively, they're getting better, but still, Washington should be able to win this game without a doubt. If you're going to be in the talks for winning the NFC East, you got to beat the likes of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have struggled the last couple of years mightily. You know, I know they're getting better. Uh, they they added Christian Kirk, and they got Marvin Jones back, and they added Zay Jones. Um, and defensively, they had a nice draft with uh, Trayvon Walker. So uh, they're they're getting better personnel wise, but still, this is a team Washington should beat. What was uh, it like coaching against Doug Peterson? You know, he, Doug's a great coach. We come from a similar background. He's a West Coast type guy. Um, so he's always been a good coach, very creative offensively. Um, you know, so it's going to be a great opportunity for Jacksonville to uh, get with a coach who knows the game, who's uh, got a good offensive style of football that should be very beneficial for uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think that's the most important thing. If you're going to hire a coach and you have a young quarterback who's the first pick in the draft, you want a coach that's more of an offensive guy. Uh, that knows how to develop quarterbacks, and definitely um, they can do that there at Jacksonville. What are the games you're looking forward to watching the most this weekend? Well, I was looking forward to last night until last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think there's a lot of intriguing mashups, um, really. I, I, I think Minnesota-Green Bay is going to be one that's uh, going to be the most interesting to me just because these are teams that are – uh, you know, going to be vying for that NFC North championship. Interested to see how Kevin does in his first game, but also want to see Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. You know, a lot of people are down on Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh got that great defense, and I'm interested to see how Pittsburgh's offense does. Uh, thank you for doing this. I appreciate that, um, and hopefully we can do it again soon. And I know you're going to be making appearances on 980 with Chris and Pete during uh, the season, so we'll be listening to that. Uh, hope you're well, and I'm glad uh, you're you're working in the league right now. Take care. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bram Weinstein next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Sunday, 1 p.m. Landover. Uh, weather forecast, not great. Uh, rain in the forecast for the opener against the Jags. And Washington in their debut game is the Commanders. Two and a half point favorites now uh, over uh, Jacksonville. That line's come down from where it opened at somewhere around four. Uh, calling the game now for the third year. I mean, it's amazing. He's in his third year now as the play-by-play voice of Washington's football team. The first year is the Commanders is my good friend Bram Weinstein who joins me right now on the podcast. My God, you know, seriously, I can remember on this podcast before your first game in 2020, which was a preseason game, I think, 
you know, just the the wild kind of, you know, getting that gig and becoming, you know, something that you had always thought about becoming. And here it is year three already. It's flying. It really is. Um, and I, it couldn't have been a really stranger a couple of years, too, you know, because of course you grow up here, you grow up a fan of the team. First year, they're not even called the Redskins. Um, and there's no crowds and we're calling road games off TV. Like it was really unusual. <laughs> like really, 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 it was not exactly the way I dreamed of it. You know, it's really weird. Um, year three, I'm far more comfortable in the role than, you know, than I was at the time. Um, and I love doing it. Like the, just, just this week, you know, I, I, I over-prepare Kevin and like 99% of the stuff that I'm writing on these boards and putting notes down, never make it to the air. But it's the most fun experience, honestly. You know, it's funny. I had Doc on um, before the first uh, preseason game. I've had him on a couple of times. But, you know, he was back in the TV booth for the preseason games. And we were talking. And, you know, I've done some play-by-play as well. And I'm like, there's nothing worse than these preseason games when you've got 90 players. Um, And, you know, and, and Doc made the point. He's like, look, football in general is a, you know, it's an MFR to prepare for. Basketball's so much easier uh, to prepare for and call. But even when you're down to 53, you know, it's still not easy, and there is a ton of preparation that goes into this. Um, but uh, you've always uh, been great at preparing for these kinds of things. So I'm glad it's going well. London Fletcher, by the way, I had him on the podcast last weekend or maybe two weekends ago. Really good yep. guy, and, uh, you know, it's uh, – he sounds great in the booth so far. Yeah, no, it's been really, it's been really good. You know, it's funny, like, you know, D'Angelo is so high energy that I knew, you know, no matter who we put in there, it's not going to be that high energy. But the second, it's funny, like the second, and, and London comes off really as kind of low key. Um, and then the second the game starts, it's like a switch goes off on him. And he's into it. Um, you know, he's been on TV for the last seven years, so he's been following the league really, really closely. Like, he's not detached from it. He loves the franchise. Um, and so I think it's been off to a really, really good start and a relatively seamless start. Like, I think part of it is, you know, I think Julie and I feel comfortable now differently than we did a couple of years ago. I think it's just easier to kind of communicate expectations from him. And um, he's been great so far, and, and I'm excited for the season. I mean, I don't really know where it's going, frankly, but like I, I'm excited for it. Bram, Julie, and London in the booth, uh, and the games are on iHeartRadio um, this year, no longer on the team 980 after many years. All right, let's talk about the team. Um, you and I both, we get, we get asked all the time, uh, all right, what kind of team are they going to have? When you get asked that uh, here over the last few days, what do you say? Boy, I mean, it's really changed. Um, I, I look at their, you know, and these things probably shouldn't matter and you'll laugh at me because I know you, you laugh at the schedule stuff, but like, I look at their schedule and I think it's kind of almost too weak for them to be bad. Um, but are they actually going to be really good? And I don't really know the answer to that. And this is the most optimistic I've been about a team that I have as many questions about. Like I, I need to see some answers. It's flipped on me throughout camp. Like, I was very worried about Wentz the first couple of weeks. He was all over the map in practice. Things have totally settled down with him. All the slander and character assassination of him feels off to me in my experience with him. So I'm hoping that, like, it is. 
And then the defense, which looked great in camp, has not in the preseason. And I'm far more concerned about the way they're going to look to start the season than really the offense. So it's a non-answer. I, I don't know. And I'm really curious about this weekend. And I'm really nervous, too, because the second the schedule came out, everyone just assumed it was a win. And if they don't win, you and I have been doing this too long. We know what's going to happen, what the reaction's going to be, even if Jacksonville is a lot better than they were a year ago. So I'm kind of praying a little bit here that they figure out a way to get a win. But to answer the question of what do I think they're going to look like, I frankly don't even know. Yeah, I mean, your last comment there, we've talked about it this week. Tommy and I talked about it yesterday. Um, I don't think there's a team in week one that is playing a game with more at stake than Washington. And it's, you I know, agree. it's in part because of the opponent. Uh, it's a big, uh, the big part of it is just, you know, they are, for all intents and purposes, launching a new business here. You know, it feels expansion-like with the new name and the new brand and the new uniforms and everything that's new. We know the business issues they, they've had. Um, it, they need to get off to a, a good start, you know. And what you said is so true, even though – it's funny. I think week one is a bit of a head fake, you know, um, in, in the NFL. I think the first couple of weeks can be, especially when you have a new quarterback and kind of a new team to a certain degree. Um, but that's not going to stop the reaction from being, oh, my God, the, it's, it's going to be one of those years again if they lose to Jacksonville. I almost feel like even though they got two games that are winnable on paper, it may have been better just to start with a solid you know, team that's supposed to be decent uh, with, with no real downside. But, you know, the upside is that they start, you know, 1-0 and, and, and the offense looks good. You know, I, I think it's interesting what you said about Carson Wentz, and I, wanna, I want you to elaborate on that. Um, it, it, there has been, I think much more so from a national standpoint, a lot of criticism about Carson Wentz. You felt like early uh, on when you were watching him, it was erratic, and now you think it's much better. What kind yeah. of season do you think he'll have? And what's been your experience in in dealing with him, you know, in the times that you've had a chance to deal with him so far? So there's, like, a couple of things here. Like, number one, like I heard everything that was said about him in Indianapolis and in Philadelphia. I think the Philadelphia one and the Indianapolis one feel like two very different scenarios, honestly, to me. Like, I think the Philadelphia one's far more complicated than the Indianapolis one. The Indianapolis one feels like he got off on the wrong foot with the owner. He wouldn't get the vaccine. Um, there were some mistakes. Like, there's, like, obviously, he wasn't a top-five quarterback last year, but they talk about him like he's the sole reason why they were bad. And I, I would point back to it. I keep hearing about his performance in the last game against Jacksonville. Like, again, perceptually, they're really bad. Colts are supposed to win. They're supposed to make the playoffs. Like, I've rewatched that game three times, and it's not that he was great, but he's not the reason they lost. Like, Jacksonville takes the opening drive seven and a half minutes and scores a touchdown. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is stopped twice on, on fourth and one. Yep. Twice. Like, they make it out like it was just him, and he's been run over by a bus perceptually, and I think it's like it, it feels almost slanderous. Like, the guy was not trash. He was... 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. Was he great last year? No. I have reservations about accuracy. I have reservations about slow-developing plays with him and decision-making in slow-developing plays 
and I have reservations when he does run because he is athletic, he is really loose with the ball. So there are things that need to change for him for sure. But all of this stuff about relatability and he's bad teammate and all this stuff, I haven't seen a whiff of that. Like, this is a really, he's a good person. He's a family man. He's a hard worker. There's no homework clause in his contract. Like, this guy shows up every day. He seems to have gone out of his way this offseason because he's heard the criticism to try to incorporate some chemistry with his teammates. He's going out with them. He's playing golf with them. He's having meetings with them. And, yes, he's very religious, and he does proselytize a little bit. You know, that's part of his character. So all of that stuff to me, I have not seen anything that's a red flag about him. So I'm willing to give him a complete clean slate on that. On the other side of it, which is the performance on the field, you and I both know this is going to happen too. Some quarterbacks, they get a perception about them. So when they make mistakes, they get blown out of proportion. Like, And he's one. Kirk Cousins is one. I think Garoppolo is kind of falling into that category of one where people have just decided if they don't play almost perfect, well, then they're the problem or they're not good. And that's going to be something he's got to deal with. So to me, on the field, honestly, I am more looking at Scott Turner here and going, how are you going to work this out to emphasize what he's actually really good at and limit the possibility of him making the types of decisions that got him in trouble in the past. This was their decision to acquire him. This was their decision to bring him in here. It is now their responsibility to utilize his best aspect. And he is way better than what we've had. Like, there is zero question about the athletic ability that he brings to the team this year, the potential leadership qualities, and the ability to alter games with his arm. But he has made a lot of bad decisions in games in the last couple of years, and they, I believe, are responsible for putting him in a position to succeed, not giving him free reign to chuck the ball over the field. Um, boy, there's there's so much that you said there. First of all, um, I, I love what you said, and it's not for those listening because you mentioned Cousins, and I'm a Cousins fan, but it is true that there are certain quarterbacks in this league that get judged much more harshly on mistakes, and you nailed two of them in Garoppolo and Cousins, and Wentz is in that category, and by the way, Jameis Winston is a little bit in that category, yeah. and there, there have been some guys that, that just – have been much better than what their public sort of perception is. And then when they throw one pick, you know, uh, but which, by the way, Aaron Rodgers does, Patrick Mahomes does, Josh Allen does, you know, they all do it, um, but they get judged more, more harshly, in part because they're not elite quarterbacks. And yet, you know, there have been people that have tried to make them out to be much better than they are. But you pointed something out, and I, I want to make sure that everybody heard it clearly. Um, it wasn't just his fault. He did not play well. I've watched that game multiple times, too, against Jacksonville. And I do believe, by the way, it is the game that was the final nail in the coffin. I think if they won that yeah. game and went on to the postseason, I think that, that Ballard and certainly Frank Reich 
um, would have said, no, let's give it one more run. I, I also think of that – Of course. I they also, wouldn't have got rid of him if they made the playoffs, Kevin. They yeah. wouldn't have. The owner, the owner didn't want him there. The owner had a reason to get rid of him when they didn't make the playoffs. Had they made the playoffs, it would have been crazy to let him go, and they wouldn't have done it. Now, I also think that the narrative that it's just an Ursay thing is naive because Ballard said some really harsh things about Wentz. Reich apologized to the fan base. The bottom line is, if you think you've got a, you know the guy, you don't get rid of him just because the owner's upset that that, that you don't get vaccinated. So I think there's more than just Ursay. But you said something, and I want to make sure I heard you correctly. You said he's got a homework clause in his contract. Is that what you said? No, I said he doesn't. Oh, he no, doesn't. I I, he, said doesn't. He, doesn't. he doesn't. Okay. I was, I was, he doesn't. Because I, I wrote kidding. down Kyler yeah. Murray when he, you said that, and no, I said, no, no. really? Correct. Okay. All right. No, fine. no, no. He doesn't. But that's okay. the point is. The, I got it. I got no it. No one's worried about him in that way whatsoever. I, I, I got it. I thought you said like it was something that he wanted to put in just to, uh, whatever. No, no, no. Okay. Um, no, no, no. No. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Yes to everything you said. I mean, there are, to me, I'm very skeptical. I'm very wait and see. But I also recognize that they haven't had anybody like him since Cousins was here. Like, it's not even close in terms of what his ceiling is. And they should have been swinging for ceiling. And hopefully it works out. What about the rest of the team? Uh, I think they are the part I'm really, really confident about, but this will go back to how Wentz performs and how the offensive line stays healthy and protects him. Um, I have not been more confident in a total group of skill position players like I am with this one. Um, I think the running back room, assuming Brian Robinson comes back at some point, um, the wide receivers for sure, the tight end ceiling of playmaking ability, I don't think they've had a team this deep in a very long time. So I'm extremely confident in that. Um, all the you know deep analytic groups like you know Pro Football Focus and all these other groups, they keep telling me that their offensive line is going to be top five to top ten in both run and pass protection. I keep going, well, they've all been injured throughout training camp, and it's not the same people. So I'm going to wait and see, but I'm not going to sit there and argue that, and I hope that they're right about it. And if that's the case, I think they're going to have a pretty good offense. Defensively is where I'm getting worried. And there were a couple things that happened that, you know, listen, I think we all know they were thin in the secondary. I mean, that's, that's no surprise. And we're going to have a couple of young guys make the team. But when you cut two veteran corners and replace them with two guys who have never played a game and were cut by their teams and one's a six-round draft pick, it's, it's a smoke signal that you're really thin. Like, they're a rolled ankle away from putting somebody out there that probably shouldn't be playing yet. So I, I think they've, they've had a lot of bad luck with injuries. They're going to need that to turn this year, and there are clear spots where there's going to be an open wound that will be taken advantage of at linebacker or corner if they have any problems with people like Kendall Fuller or William Jackson. All right, let's uh, let's get specific about some of the players. Um, I've been hearing since spring and certainly th- since the OTAs that Jahan Dotson may actually be the most polished and and b- b- biggest and and best threat at wide receiver on the team. Uh, what do you say to that? I think we have the potential of two number one receivers. Um, Dotson clearly gets it. His route running, and I've gotten to watch some film with people. It's superb and way ahead of the game. Um, you play a lot of golf, so you'll like this. There's something about the sound it makes when the ball hits his hands that's different. Like, it's smooth. 
it like doesn't make a sound like you know when a when a professional golfer hits a drive off the tee, it makes a sound that's different yeah, than course. anybody else makes when they hit it yeah. off the tee, right? Yeah, it's the same thing when he catches the ball. Like it's it, it almost makes no sound at all. Um, he's a very competitive player. I mean, the one thing I, I'm concerned about, I think, it, it just in general, but it, it's mitigated a little bit by rules in the NFL now. You know, I don't love his size. You know, going into this playing bigger people in general, but he's a really smooth, smooth player. So I'm very excited about what he brings to them alongside McLaurin. It really does feel like they have a one and a one A. Are you confident in Scott Turner to figure out all of you know these options? So that's like goes back to what I was saying about Wentz. I really feel like this is this isn't as much a referendum on Wentz as it is on Scott Turner to figure out an offense where he you know he has no excuses with skill position people in my opinion. Like there's no liabilities there they're deep too like if this is last year with this same group they could swallow missing curtis samuel and it shouldn't miss a beat you know this time around they have so many weapons it's going to be very interesting to see how he deals with it and on that point like my gut tells me when we go back to talking about Wentz, that here early if i'm scott turner i want the ball out of Wentz's hands fast I want it in the hands of any number of different playmakers that they have. They should have matchup issues because of the skill position grouping that they can put out there. I think they could surprise some people with formations if they're creative. And so I really do feel like this is more about Scott Turner and building an offense. And, you know, I hope every week that they're winning or they're scoring a lot of points and we're going, but they forgot about this guy because that clearly is going to happen week after week. It's, there's a one-ball problem here on this team, but that should be a good problem. What do you make of a bounce-back year? You've already talked about, and I think we all have the same reservations, about a defense that you know underperformed in a big way last year, and now no Chase Young for at least four games, um, and we'll see what happens uh, heading into week five um, with him. Um, but your confidence level on some of the guys that we expected big years from last year that didn't produce – Montez Sweat, let's talk about Deron Payne's consistency. Uh, Jamin Davis in his second year. What are your, what's your gut feel on the kinds of seasons they have? We know John Allen will be uh, solid. We know Kendall Fuller's yeah. good. Um, yeah. What about some of the guys that we thought would be great last year that weren't? Yeah, I think the, uh, the known quantities for me are I'm not worried about Allen. I'm really not worried about Holcomb. You know, I, I think he's going to show up and play. Is he going to be a top-level middle linebacker? I'm not really sure. You know, but, like, that's not for a lack of effort or preparation or all those things. That could just be a small limitation in athleticism. But, like, I'm not worried about him. I'm, I'm not worried about Cam Curl. Like, I, I know what he is. I know what he's going to be, and I think he's a big deal if he doesn't play this weekend. Um, but of the people you named, Deron Payne is incentivized to have a big year, whether it's for this team or for another team. And if he doesn't do that, he's going to miss out on a giant payday. So my expectation is you're going to get the best from him. Um, with Montez Sweat, uh, I, I think what you're alluding to is, is where I am on him. This is a huge show-me year for him. Um, he's got every opportunity to prove that he's a premier pass rusher. He's got to do it. He's got to contain the edge. He has to make haymaking plays. He has to make game-making plays. And the spotlight is on him without Chase Young there. Every opportunity on earth to show his value to this team He's heading into the final year of his contract after this. It's the year that you're going to extend or not extend. He's incentivized to do it. And for me, he is someone that really needs to prove it, for sure. 
a player that those that are listening aren't thinking about as a big-time contributor that you have a gut feel will be a big-time contributor at some point during this season? I think, um, I think Bobby McCain's a big deal. Uh, they're so young on the back end. Cam Curl is going to be more in that Buffalo situation than McCain ever would be. So if they're going to end these third and long situations that they've had last year and it, it creeped into the preseason this year, it's, it's going to be about him and communication on the back end and potentially at times working with very young, inexperienced corners around him. I think he's instrumental for them if they're going to have any success being a better defense and certainly one on third down. Running back situation with Robinson Jr. out. How do you think that'll shake out starting Sunday? You know, I'll be very interested to see how much they use Jonathan Williams. Um, he, uh, they did what I thought they were going to do by the end of the preseason. Like, he, you probably know his backstory because you watch a lot of college football. He had a monster year at Arkansas, decided to come back for a senior year, and blew out an ACL, and it derailed his career. He would have been a much higher pick than he was. Um, and he's finally come around. He looks like an NFL running back. Um, so, and he runs in the style that Rivera wants these days. He right. wants a power back in the middle. And that's not what Gibson is going to give him. So I'm going to be interested to see if they trust him and give him more carries than probably people think he's going to get going into this game. And I'm not surprised that he didn't play in the last preseason game because I felt like all along, don't profile this guy if you have to cut him. And this is obviously before they knew what happened to Robinson. If you have to cut him, he's a candidate to get picked up by somebody if you profile him. Because I was watching him in camp going, this guy's a a primary backup for a lot of teams, and they're very fortunate to have him. So I want to see if they utilize him in that role, and it's possible that he could be effective that way. Other than that, you know, you're going to see a lot of Gibson getting the ball again, and hopefully his confidence isn't shaken from what happened in the preseason. I agree with you on Williams uh, wholeheartedly. All right, um, prediction time, hon. All right, you got to oh, make boy. you got to make a prediction. Oh, What's their record, oh, and man. what happens Sunday? Very nervous about Sunday, mainly because of the defense and because, you know, the offense I don't think has shown much. Like, I, I've described it as I think they hid their offense from themselves. So, you know, I'm, I'm very nervous about this first game and knowing what the pressure is with, for all the reasons you cited. Knew everything. You're supposed to win. It's treated as a layup. Um, Jacksonville's not going to treat it that way. Peterson knows this team. I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be higher scoring than people probably think. Something in the 20s, you know, high 20s, actually. Um, and I, I can't pick against them in an opener at home in a new era. So give me Washington by three, and people complain on the postgame show that that wasn't by enough. And for the season, uh, I'm going to go nine and eight. Is that a playoff season or not in the NFC? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, like, that, that's the, the, the great part about the NFC this year is I think there are four or five teams that really have no pathway to making the playoffs. So I think the field is really wide open to get in as a wild card. So I like their chances that way, and I like their chances to be the second-place team in the division. All right, best of luck Sunday the rest of the year. Uh, hope the family's well. Talk soon. Thanks, Kevin. See you. Okay, then. We are ready for week one of the NFL season. That sounded a little bit like Steve Spurrier when I just said that. Well, okay, then. 5-11. and 11, Not too good. 
Uh, okay, then. We are ready for week one of the NFL season. Thanks to Bram. Thanks to Jay Gruden. I'll be back Monday to recap Washington and Jacksonville and the rest of the NFL games from Sunday. Uh, also, by the way, quick shout out and a quick good luck uh, vibe uh, to Francis Tiafo, who will be playing Carlos Alcaraz tonight in the night match of the two men's semifinals at the U.S. Open. Imagine somebody from this area wins the U.S. Open, an American man, an American black man for the first time since Arthur Ashe if he were to win the U.S. Open. This is a massive sports story this weekend, Tiafo and the possibility of him winning the U.S. Open. Just being in the semifinals is a big deal. Uh, trust me, if he wins the Open, uh, we will mention it on Monday, but I'm not going to be doing a big Francis Tiafo thing on Monday after the first NFL Sunday of the year. But if he wins the Open, we are going to try to get him on the show next week, either this or the radio show or somebody to talk about it in more detail. I will be watching that tonight and rooting for him uh, very much. So uh, represent the DMV, Francis Tiafo. It's exciting to see all of the D.C. people kind of around Tiafo at the U.S. Open. Uh, so hoping it turns out well for him. All right. Enjoy the football weekend. Enjoy the tennis. If you're going to be watching that, I'll be back on Monday. When I was coaching, if we lost a game, I went home and ate rice pudding and raisins. I wouldn't accept a dinner at the White House. I was ashamed of myself because we lost.